Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, December 27th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and I'm joined by my guy, Ramiz, as we break down after a Christmas break, after a Boxing Day for the Canadians over here, a 10-game slate that's going to be taking over our Tuesday TV screens. First of all, Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everyone that's been going on there. I know we've had a bit of an extended weekend for everything else, but uh, Ramiz, I know you just got back from a trip as well. How are things going, man? Uh, it's been going good, man. I just came back from a trip, you know, it was uh, just a family getaway, and uh, we just came back right enough, right enough time for this pod, and let's get things going, bro. I love it, love it. Now, with the with the ten game slate, there's always going to be that. Uh, and difficulty to be able to really think about where it is that we're going to be going in on this. So really how we're going to be uh, breaking it down and making that little bit easier is similar to how we have it on the Sports Ethos DFS Pass. For those who don't follow the DFS deliveries, definitely get yourself on there, sportsethos.com. But really the focus being on pillar plays, key positions, and key guys that we think are going to be once the target within that position itself. So rather than really getting into it game by game where – you know, there's a lot of a lot of games to be able to go through, but also <laughs> a lot of potential scenarios in which you're looking to avoid. We're instead going to be focusing on each position on here within your lineup itself and giving some of our thoughts on what your pillar plays would be in that position. And really, from there, giving you that little bit of insight into what the rest of your lineup could look like. So uh, I'm going to start off from my end first, where uh, the first game that I was looking at was the uh, the Hawks and Pacers one. Now, I expect this. Being that we are a little bit ahead on here when we're recording this, we don't have all the totals up here, but I expect this to be a quite fast-paced game over here. And for DeJounte Murray, who has come back from his injury and looked in incredibly good shape from the time that he's there, really just not looking like he's missed any points at all in that Detroit game, which was a blowout. He still ended up playing 37 minutes and, in fact, has not played below 37 minutes since he's come back. And I expect this to be a much closer game in line with the ones that were in the first two that he returned. And for him, sitting at 8,300, in a game that I expect to be at about a 230-point total, I expect that he will get that opportunity to continue to be that aggressive offensive option on there. The field goal attempts continue to be close to 20 20 a game, and given the fact that he'll always be in line to be able to get you a bunch of stocks, averaging uh, two steals a game since he's come back as well. So just a lot of opportunity for him to be able to get there. And I see this as a spot for him to get somewhere close to 50 DK points on the night on what should be a fast-paced matchup. So DeJounte Murray is my first point guard that I'm looking at as far as you know, my key play as far as the guard is concerned. What about you, Ruiz? Uh So in terms of point guard, I was looking at the injury report, right? And I couldn't help but notice, but... uh. I believe DeMontis Sabonis is questionable, but he might be out indefinitely. And I think that opens up a lot more responsibility for De'Aaron Fox's take. And in that case, I think he's going to uh, you have the ball a lot more, take a lot more shots, just take a lot more responsibility than usual. And going, you know, I I don't I believe he's been he's been playing really great basketball as of late. I think he's like averaging. I mean, look at right now. He has he's averaging 42.1 DK fans points in the last 10 days. And uh, without. DeMontis bonus, it may be an inefficient night, but man, his usage is going to be at an all-time high this season. Yeah, that's fair. I think my only concern would be whether they end up uh, getting blown out without having someone like a Sabonis on that side, because Denver has been on on something else. <laughs> they have. They're just on fire. If I don't know if anyone's... I'm sure you guys were watching the Christmas games, but holy crap, that game at the end to finish the night off was absolutely incredible. So, Most of the year. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> 
disgusting dunk. Definitely check out the highlights if you have not. But I do like the uh, De'Aaron Fox callout. I think the upside is definitely there. The volume is definitely going to be there. And speaking of volume being there and a guy who I think is underpriced is Fred Van Vliet in that uh, LA Clippers Toronto game over here sitting at 7,600. I just see it as yet another opportunity for him to continue to pile up what he has been in the last couple of games now. The biggest kind of fault against him had been his efficiency up to now, but has shot four and five threes in the last two games there, really starting to get a little bit more of his shot coming around on there because the rest of his ancillary stats have been pretty consistent. It's really whether he can have a good scoring night. And against the Clippers, against a point guard rotation that really doesn't deserve to be spoken about, he got Reggie Jackson <laughs> thrown on there. We'll see who else they want to uh, go ahead and put on the um, uh, on on Freddie, because probably will be a lot more John Wall coming too. And as much as we have seen of John Wall put up some pretty decent stats on the offensive side, he has had his struggles being able to actually keep guys in front of him. So a very good point guard matchup in general, as far as the Toronto Raptors are concerned in this Clippers game. So for 7,600, Fred should be able to draw 40 plus DK points on here. So the opportunity for him to be able to get 5X, if not 6 to 7X is there. Definitely the second guy that I'm targeting with that point guard eligibility. I actually really like Fred. I had Fred on my list as well. I mean, at 7,600, especially in this type of matchup, you're probably expecting a lot more forwards play. So, like, I don't know how much OG and Scotty will be able to contribute in type, this type of game, but Fred has been on fire recently. Uh, maybe finally about time <laughs> as a Raptor fan. But uh, like you said, I mean, their point guard rotation is Reggie Jackson, John Wall. No really all-NBA defender is going to be really looking to guard Fred. And as long as Fred can find his spot, find his positioning, especially at home. So, uh I think this is really really great Fred, uh, really great game for Fred. Another point guard I have is uh, Jordan Poole, and I know Jordan Poole is an interesting pick because he shot what six for twenty one mm-hmm. or like eleven for twenty five, pardon me, against Memphis, and he was still able to get thirty eight DK fantasy points. And this Charlotte game, I mean, the, I'm looking bet three six five doesn't have the uh, over under yet, but we can both tell this is going to be a fast paced game. And it's going to be a lot of scoring. No defense, just buckets. <laughs> and I think this is where Jordan Poole shines. So, I mean, even if he has an inconsistent night, this game is probably also maybe close to because of how depleted Golden State is. And I think Jordan Poole in these like, games like these is going to just be able to sh- shoot the ball. I don't, I don't think he'll care if he goes in or not, but he'll be mm-hmm. able to punch him. Yeah, I like it. I mean, Jordan Poole at that 8,000 range will always give you the upside if the rest of his kind of game goes with it. Obviously, he didn't do it for me on Christmas night the way I was hoping for in some of my lineups. But still, I said, solid floor. There's just not much uh, worry about him not getting his touches and not getting his offense in. So the rest of it is just how well he can do for his price tag. But speaking of price tag and someone a little bit more frisky that I've been looking at as well as on the Orlando Magic side against the LA Lakers, Cole Anthony sitting at 5,000 has been a guy who has been slowly but surely getting his minutes up and his shot attempts up. Last two games now has gotten up to 30 minutes in that Spurs game there and dropped 32 and then 51 DK points respectively for those two games that he did end up playing. So we're starting to see what we kind of expected earlier on when once Markel Fultz came back, that it was going to be one of those kind of two-man rotation. They're either having Cole Anthony just directly replace Markel, or they're actually staggering and playing them together as well. So it's been an interesting kind of uh, dynamic over there. And I do think he's more of a DF, uh, a GPP play rather than a cash one over there. But the upside is definitely there with Cole Anthony. His shot just has to get going because the rest of it is always 
is always there. He's shown his ability to be able to rack up the stats from outside. He, he gets more rebounds than you'd expect for a guy uh, of his size and his position. But even last year, he averaged about six rebounds a game, got 10 in the previous one over there. And again, the Lakers are playing with absolutely no front court outside of <laughs> Thomas Bryant. So it's just one of those things where opportunities will be there for guards and those long bricks that are definitely going to be coming from the Lakers side for uh, him to continue to rack it up. So for 5,000, really like my Cole Anthony here. That's, I really like that pick. Obviously, those picks do come with that risk of can he hit, make sure he hits his shots. But, I mean, the way he's playing right now, I mean, I honestly, why you don't go for it, especially when he's going against Austin Reeves, the Dennis Schroeders, and like you said, attacking the paint against Thomas Bryant. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I went with an expensive pick here, and it went with SGA, Shagulis Alexander. I think every time I've gone with him, he's always been able to give me my value. And uh, he's just been on fire. Like, I, I, I feel like there's a time where I'm always considering, like, he might not play good this game, but he, he, he plays good almost every game. And it's mm-hmm. against San Antonio, which which is who he's going to get. Trey Jones, Devin, so I think this is a really great chance. He's coming off a monster night against the Pelicans. I mean, that was on the 23rd, so it was four days ago. But, man, like, he does not, like, he's been outstanding. And I think he's going to continue against a horrible defense Again, of San Antonio. Gotcha. Yeah, I like it. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into the other side of the guards here. And again, you'll find that there are opportunities where you have point guard, shooting guards, dual eligibility to be able to s- jump in on here. But this is why I specifically kept some of these shooting guards to talk about otherwise. And I'm going to start off with, from an expensive side of things, where I've been looking, it's James Harden. Anytime the man is sitting under 10K, it's like I just automatically laser focus on it. <laughs> I, I cannot understand how he gets there. And frankly, he's been showing it in the last two games that regardless of whether his shot is going down to the level that had been happening for earlier in the season, still is able to put up 71 and 67 DK points in the two games that he's played over there. So against the Clippers, against the Knicks, both of which you know close games all the way through, I expect this uh, Washington one where Washington is at home. They've consistently shown how pesky they are when they're playing at home. They've got their full roster there. I don't expect this to be a blowout or anything of that sort. Obviously hard to predict. It's like predicting the weather. I'm looking at minus 16 outside right now, but the reality is (laughs) you can never predict those kind of things. But what you can predict is that James Harden is going to be involved in every offensive possession for the 76ers. (laughs) They've clearly figured that him as the pure initiator to get Embiid into his spot has been why they've been so successful as of late. And for him to be able to rack up those double-digit dimes, it's just it's just a given at this point. So the rest of it is just him coming around. And for someone under 10K who has the potential to be able to drop 70 on a regular basis, I just love it. Throw it out there. James Harden's my guy. Uh, James Harden is a walking double-double, man. Every game he's going to get you at least 10 points, at least 10 assists. And that's at the very minimum. I mean, his ceiling is probably crazy, to be honest. I mean, he had, like, what, a 20-20 game recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20-21 and then 11 rebounds, too. That's absurd. And like you said, his fishing hasn't been been that good either. Uh, should we move to the forwards now, or what do you say? Uh, do you have any specific shooting guard you want to talk about? or? I Actually, I do have a player who is kind of, I mean, he plays small forward and shooting guard. I like Paul George at 8,600. I think Paul George, I mean, Kawhi, he might come back for the back-to-back against Toronto. But uh, Paul George, with or without Kawhi, has just been a monster. I mean, uh, his splits have been absolutely insane these last 10 games. Uh, 42, but like before the game against Philly, uh, 48, 50. And uh, 
he hasn't been really shooting efficiently as you want him to, but he's been able to get you like four, eight assists. He's been able to get you some rebounds and then some blocks and steals. And I really like that, especially with the fact that you can play my shooting. I really like that point from it. I like it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. And with that, we can definitely move on to talking about some of the forwards that we're looking at here. And I found it interesting that you were mentioning uh, De'Aaron Fox there before, because he's definitely in the topic of a game that I'm interested in. Because from the Sacramento side, I do actually really like Kevin Herter in this matchup over here. Uh, For him sitting at 5,700, I expect him to not only be the leading shot taker on this team, I expect that De'Aaron Fox is going to get crowded as hell in this game, and they're going to be punching (laughs) it out a lot more to that perimeter. And we saw much in that that last game – with Denver facing off against uh, against Phoenix, that someone like a Landry Shamit was able to get really free because they were crowding the ball handler and Chris Paul, and he was able to get it. De'Aaron Fox has shown a lot of that court vision penchant as of late as well. So I expect that there are going to be a lot of opportunities for Kevin Herter to be able to put up big attempts from the three-point line. You know, he's been getting games where he put up seven, eight three-point attempts. I would be surprised if he doesn't get at least to that attempt in this game, especially given the fact that they're going to need Assuming Sabonis is out, again, keep track of the live injury report, which you can get on sportsethos.com with the DFS pass. Another plug there. <laughs> Kevin Herter is going to be a guy that I expect to be really involved with this offense. And at 5,700, again, a GPP play for sure because you need his offense and his shot to get going for the rest of it to kind of work in. But I think the opportunity is there, and I really like that matchup for him. Given the fact also that it is a 10 p.m. one, last game of the night, get a little bit of exposure. I just have one of those things, the late night hammer, get Kevin Herter in for me. All right, that's that's a really great pick. I I, I didn't realize because you're right. So there's so much opportunity from that Sacramento game that you can expect, and I think Kevin Hurd is a really great pick from that. I'm gonna go on to uh, I think we talked about this is San Antonio and uh, OKC game, and uh, I went with a, um, a lower end guy, but he's been playing pretty great as of recently, and that's uh Jeremy Sochan. I hopefully I'm not mispronouncing his name, but at 4100, he's been able to uh just been able to score the ball, hit his free throws, and uh, that's been really good i mean he, in the past uh three games i think he's got an average of like 33 dk he's been getting a lot more minutes and uh obviously a lot of people might lean towards the Kelda johnson because of how weak the front court is of okc but i'm going with the more lower end option with uh jeremy social who will probably kind of imitate somewhat of that uh but uh at 4100 i think there's a lot of upside in that pick yeah, I mean, I'm totally on with you because I've picked up, uh, I've picked him up in pretty much all of my season-long leagues that I was able to get over the last couple of games. So definitely expecting uh, a little bit more going towards that side of things as far as the Spurs are concerned. Now that they really, really don't have all that much to play for overall, so uh, definitely start developing. As you said, he's had three great games in a row, double-digit points, seven plus rebounds in each of those. So uh, opportunities there. 4100 is a good price tag, and I like it. Uh, speaking of kind of these uh, lower end or these mid-tier price tags and kind of going into it, I get to go back a little bit to the home cooking side of things because to me, OG Ananobi <laughs> is in a great position to be able to put up a very good night on here as well. Coming off that Cleveland game where, again, we're seeing that clearly the Raptors, regardless of who's – well – now that everyone's healthy, but regardless of how things are looking, they clearly don't have the depth to be able to handle too many minutes in which your starting five is off the floor. And we're seeing that in the last couple of games now. OG is averaging 38 minutes in the last three games that he's played. 
Uh, didn't necessarily have the greatest games against Philly and New York, but he showed his upside in that Cleveland game where he put up nine three-point attempts and ended up with 45 DK points. And he's actually got a bit of a discount from where he's been consistently sitting, which had been kind of in that mid-7,000s all the way up to 8,000 salary range. So for him to be all the way down to 6,200 in a game that I do expect to be a fast-paced one at home where the Raptors have been more successful and been able to keep games closer consistently i expect that og is going to be yet again called upon to shoot 15 plus field goal attempts you know he's going to get his steals averaging over two a game which is crazy defensive player of the year running all of that stuff but the rest of the stats <laughs> will uh, will come into play for him 6200 really like that opportunity to be able to get 6x so gpp play for me for sure yeah I'm, I'm with his partner in crime i'm with scotty Barnes yeah. at 6700 I mean, I, we might as well just call this a Raptors podcast because how much we're talking to Raptors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's going to happen. You have two Raptor fans on here. <laughs> uh, but I like Scotty at 6,700 uh, because I think, I mean, you mentioned it right at home. These guys play much better. I was looking at OG Spitz and Scotty Spitz, and their difference between home and away is insane. It's like a 10 point, uh, DK fantasy point difference. I lean more towards Scotty, uh, Scotty because of how the Clippers are constructed. It's like uh, I said before, it's a, a lot of fours, right? So I think Scotty in this type of game has a lot more ability on offense to, you know, get some assists, get some rebounds, impact the game a lot more differently than uh, OG would in some sense. But uh, honestly, I think both picks are great. It's up to you on who you like better. Yeah, that's no, completely fair. There's a, there's a lot of these mid-tier forward options that have that capability of being able to put up, you know, 6X, which is really what you're looking for, especially in a 10-game slate. What I like about it apart from the fact that you get into like analysis paralysis going through all of it, is that there is that little bit more room to be able to kind of really think out your lineups here, right? Obviously, if you're putting up a couple of multiple lineups, maybe you do, you know, hedge between OG and Scotty and see how things work out. So we'll see how uh, how that goes. But yeah, as far as forwards are concerned, I think that's pretty good. Really, the, the center one is where I've been kind of mulling over where it is that I want to go here, because there's a lot of price tags that I was looking and I'm just like, man, like, there's, if I'm spending up, on a, a Harden earlier or any of these uh, kind of mid-tiers, do I want to then go back and spend up again on someone like a Jokic or an Embiid, uh, given the matchups that they had? And of course, Jokic, Jokic is always enticing too. <laughs> always enticing. I mean, did it again on Christmas, right? 88 DK points. Like this guy is insane. So it's 100% in play, but I'm looking a little bit more on the mid-tier side over here because I expect to be paying up more on the guard side. And that's where a DeAndre Ayton comes into play for me here. Uh, we saw... Last game with, uh, with in that same Denver one with uh, an extended injury looks like for Devin Booker. I mean, four minutes in, his groin definitely was not looking good. Went out, came back in uh, wearing just his uh, street clothes and just not looking in a good position. I I don't know how long we're going to see Devin Booker out for, but I we know for sure he's out for this game, right? And we're um, going to have to see how that works out. But he definitely comes into play for me because he becomes that first outlet for Chris Paul uh, to be able to go ahead and handle. So really the biggest thing for me is how many shots does DeAndre Ayton get because the rest of it kind of comes into play. So 18 field goal attempts in that Denver game. I expect with the Memphis one, uh, again, they're going to get more of an opportunity to be able to go in on Steven Adams. And the fact that Memphis do like to play a little bit bigger does give that opportunity for DeAndre Ayton to be able to kind of operate a little bit more in the paint, hopefully get his uh, usual minutes as well before uh, before things uh, potentially get uh, you know out of hand. 
which they did the last time they played Memphis, right? So that's why there's like a little bit of a caveat here. They got slapped by 25 points yeah. <laughs> back on December 23rd. But I expect that uh, this is going to be a little bit different on that. Uh, that game was just an odd game out. And Aiden was still playing pretty well himself. 9 of 12 from the field. He just only played 21 minutes and didn't get anything else. So given that uh, I expect him to get a regular allotment here, 7,500 gives him a lot of upside. He definitely has a 40 DK point uh, kind of close to that pretty consistently when he can uh, get his own, uh, when he can get his minutes regularly. And I expect that to be the case here. Now, DeAndre is a great pick. He is also on my list in the center because that center is always really t- tough to gauge because a lot of it sometimes relies on how your point guard can get you involved. And like in this case, it's not only this, Chris Paul being able to get you involved, but it's also just pure skill, which DeAndre Aiden has. And especially you're adding into the opportunity because of Devin Booker's injury. So there's so many factors that make you lean towards the Aiden because of, you know, uh, uh, how much points you get. Then, uh, you mentioned it, right? He only played 21 minutes. So as long as he gets his minutes, as long as he gets those shots, he's going to get you a good value on 7,500. I also went with the, I went with the lower end guy. I think you can't go lower than this. Rishon Holmes at 3,000. Because I do think that Savona's injury is pretty serious. I mean, injury, I believe, was indefinite, so we don't really know how about a timetable on return. And I think Rishon Holmes, uh, whether the Kings like him or not, he's gonna, they're going to have to play him because they're going to need center minutes from somewhere. And especially when you go against a team like Denver, he may just be a sacrifice to play against Jokic. But uh, I think he's going to play a solid amount of game at 3,000. You're not expecting him to catch you uh, an insane amount of fantasy. But like, uh, like you mentioned, right, if you want to go for these Jokic's, you want to go for these... Hard ends, these and beads. They're gonna need to get some low end guys as well. And I think Richard Holmes is a nice low end guy you can fit in at 3,000 and get some solid DK fantasy points from him. Yeah, we're going to have to see what Sacramento says as far as their starting lineup and rotation looks like, right? Uh, I've, I've been looking at the Trey Lyle side of things, right? If they decide to go ahead and start him, uh, you know, for sure. 14 and 4 in the last game as well, sitting at 3,600 as a power forward. So definitely someone to keep in mind with that as well. But uh, as far as uh, kind of the centers are looking at otherwise, again, just kind of looking at that mid tier for me to be able to see where it is that I'm continuing to see more value. And really, I keep kind of getting myself back into. <laughs> this uh, situation where I look at Mitchell Robinson. Don't, don't, it's just <laughs> 5,300 is just a, one of those where I like games in which he can get kind of in there on you. And the fact that Dallas is only running Christian Wood as their, uh, as their real center of choice outside, given the fact that Max Kleber is not around and, and Dwight Powell is kind of in and out, depending on how things are. Mitchell Robinson is likely going to get 15 rebounds in this game. He's going to throw it out there. He's going to get that as far as his rebounding totals are concerned. So it's really about whether he can continue to get involved on the offensive side and whether he can get his stocks there. I don't want to read too, too much into that Philadelphia game, but in terms of how the game scripting is working there, they just like Dallas was really pushing Christian Wood to get involved in that last game. Uh, you could see that uh, Philly was really doing the same thing with regards to how they were getting him beat the ball that much deeper into it and also getting him that ball in that outside area to be able to take those open shots as they're available. So it just I'd like the scenario in which he can defend against that and be that guy who can rotate to be in and out there. So he's definitely more of a GPP pick. We know that he can have a dud. He can go into foul trouble, all of that stuff. But he's shown in you know four out of his last five games, he's uh, basically hitting his value consistently there, and he's got the upside to be able to give you the kind of night that he did against Philly. So I'm not expecting a full-on repeat, but I, I do like the price, and I do like the uh, the overall kind of matchup for what should be you know a lot of rebounding opportunities in a Dallas Mavericks team that just shoots from everywhere. 
See, that's what kind of concerns me with the Mitch Robinson pick, because I definitely looked at him at 5,300 because he has been playing some solid basketball. But against a team like Dallas, uh, with the three-point shooting offense that they have and uh, with the, the fact that Christian Wood can space the floor, right, how, do you believe uh, Mitchell Robinson will get those minutes, though, to get those rebounds? Yeah, I mean, that, that's where it comes down to, right? So I just feel like Mitchell Robinson is one of those guys that's actually switchable enough to be able to go out there. He doesn't just have to sit in the paint this whole time, which is kind of why uh, you saw even against – I mean, against his, uh, his matchup against Embiid, they were really pushing him on there, and Embiid was stretching him out all the way out to, to the outside of the floor as well, and they kind of kept him uh, coming over there. So we'll have to see. Like I said it's not. I, I wouldn't say it's the most slam dunk pick that I have, but it's one of those <laughs> where I, I do like uh, I do like the opportunity that he has over there, and it's either that or uh, I just keep like harping on my Miles Turner trumpet <laughs> until hoping he turns around because uh, it's sixty three hundred price tag is too cheap. Yeah, for sure. Uh. Honestly, I, I kind of just went with the the obvious pick. I think me and you both love him, and we you can never stop talking about him, about Jokic, man. I mean, Jokic, I think we always just, I, we can just repeat the same footage that we always record because, man, <laughs> Jokic is incredible. I mean, 88 DK fantasy points. It's like, just when you think he can't get more than that, he, he just finds a way. And uh, against Sacramento, I, I, we mentioned Sacramento multiple times, but no Demonte Sabonis, I think... Uh, he might go against Trey Laws. He might go against uh, Rishon Holmes, but we can both agree none of them are stopping him from getting his triple-double and his averages as usual. Mm. And uh, obviously, this is an expensive pick, and a 10-game slate, maybe you don't want to go for that. But uh, I want to see. Jokic is always one of those players where you're certain you're going to get your value from him. And it's all, it's going to be tough to build around him, but man, that, just the, the stats that he brings you, and I mean, he got you 88 DK fantasy points. Maybe before that, 95 DK fantasy points away. Just when you think he can't get you that amount that you need he will he'll find a way to get it yeah and and that's it really just comes down to game scripting right because i i am Mm -hmm. afraid of sacramento not being able to hang with denver but (laughs) maybe at home they could potentially do so it's it's why i'm kind of veering away from Jokic. i'm never going to say fade Jokic because i'd sound like an idiot (laughs) but at at 11,400, i usually find myself with these 10 game slates kind of avoiding going into like a stars and scrubs kind of situation i just think the mid-tier guys often uh, find themselves in a way to you know, get me into a combination that gets the lineup that I want, but can never fault you for taking Jokic. So I'll <laughs> leave it at that. Perfect. But we'll jump right into the Thrive Fantasy side of things as well, where again, we have so many options to be able to go through and pick and see what, what it is that we like. But where I am jumping, and again, this is me game scripting a little bit on here, that <laughs> Houston-Boston game, you know, one of those games that we do have the total for, 232 with Boston favor to win by 15 at home. (laughs) You know, it's, it's tough to be able to do that. But the reason why I do like that is because there is an under on the Thrive Fantasy side that I do like, which is the Jason Tatum one, 37 and a half points of rebounds. I do expect that he'll be under on this game for that. I don't think that he's going to be needed as much to be able to get that, especially, uh, you know, after he just had that monster performance at Christmas day. It's just going to be a bit of a, a relaxing night for him. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. 37 and a half, get that 100 points for going under. I like that one. And the second one that I like is the Pascal Siakam one, which is on the other side of things. He's sitting at over 39 and a half for points, rebounds, and assists to give you 105 points. Now, just in general, I, I think that this is almost like a bit of a gimme. Just He has not been under that for three straight games at this point now. And just overall has, is always sitting in that high 30s, even on a bad night. And right now he's actually on fire for his last three games <laughs> on here. So over 39 and a half against a front court that 
you know, they're going to try to put Zubats on him to be able to handle. Maybe they'll put a little bit of a Paul George as well. But in general, Siakam's just going to continue to be able to barge himself into the paint. I expect that he's going to have a high 20s night as far as real points are concerned. So it's really uh, how he racks up his, uh, his other stats. And I feel pretty confident about that one. So on my end, I also have two. I also went with uh, the Siakam one. Because I thought at 105, I mean, as long as he gets his averages, which are what, 25, 9, and 7, he should be good to just get by that. And he's been playing outstanding. I mean, I love it. You love it. And uh, he's not going to stop against this Clippers team at home. Uh, although there are some tough defenders, and that is what kind of does give me a bit of a scare when it comes to picking Siakam with this. But I, I don't think any, any – there's not been a single player who's been able to stop him. I mean, he's got against boss. He's got against these uh, the Sixers. And he's still been able to – dominate which is incredible and i don't think the clippers are going to be able to stop them as well another pick i got is at going over uh jordan post 26.5 total points at 110 and i mentioned it before i mean i think this game is going to be a high scoring game and if jordan Poole is going over uh i think jordan Poole can get you over 26.5 points uh in this type of game because of how many shots are going to be open with no defense played it's just going to be like a park game so i think jordan Poole is going to be able to take advantage of that situation I like it. Yeah, lots of opportunities to be able to get there and get yourself onto thrivefantasy.com and get on those props and see how it is that you do. But that brings us to the end of this primer of the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you know, I try to uh, give my own opportunities of <laughs> those late, late changes that end up occurring anytime that the injuries do come up. You know, that live injury report continues to be a big, big, big resource for everyone. But at the risk of plugging it again, sportsethos.com, get that DFS pass, get yourself on the Discord, ask the pros where we are talking all the way up until lock to be able to see exactly what may be changing, what big opportunities may come through. And just as my guy Keith has been posting on Twitter as well, we've been getting some really, really solid winning lineups as of late. So it's clear that uh, value is being offered. Get yourself on there and get yourself into that value and Ramiz where can the good people find you they can also find me on twitter at two nice it'll be spelled t-o-0 underscore nice underscore love it love it as always uh, just really really great catching up with you guys i hope everyone's having a safe and merry christmas great holidays all of it everyone just gets some rest relaxation we're going to keep at this and looking forward to continuing this on into the new year as well But until then, let's get on these slates. Let's take down some of these tournaments. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.